everybody, whether you're the president of a company or the paperboy, everybody has the exact same amount of time. You and I both have 24 hours a day. No more, no less. The question is, what do you do with your time? Real quick, my friends, go get my new book. It's called The Power to Publish. And it's at the top of the page of zbooks.co at the link, my new book. And it's going to help you with all of your self-publishing needs. Okay, back to that podcast. Welcome to ZBook Successful Authors Podcast. And today I have the real Machiavelli, the mastermind of Amazon ads, the man behind the scenes, the man you probably haven't heard of yet. His name is Brian Bernie. He's in Italy. And welcome to the podcast, Brian. Thank you, Eric. It's a great honor to be here. And uh, hello, everyone. <laughs> yeah, thank you for being here. It's uh, lovely to finally have some Euro fans and uh, some local matadors here. I'm in Germany. So we're actually on the same time frame, you know? <laughs> Yes, and it's it's a surprise for me as well because I've uh, I'm working a lot with uh, folks in America and uh, I live in Italy, so it's a refreshing change. <laughs> yeah, it's um it's a challenge, isn't it? Uh, most of the people that I want to talk to are in America, you know, and all of the summits and stuff. And um, but let's talk about you for a little minute. Uh, tell us uh, about. I mean, there's so much to talk about but you recently hosted an Indie Novelist Summit. Yeah, uh, actually that is, uh, is uh, a good segue actually, because um, when, when I hosted the summit and uh, I, I recorded the interviews just before, um, there has been a lot, a lot of uh, organization work going on because I had to interview people from uh, nearly all around the world. So, uh, going back to the time zone problem, that that has been a challenge, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it happened last year in October. It was the, to my knowledge, the first um, in well, the first virtual summit, virtual conference for uh, independent novelists, so fiction authors, um, and it was uh, it was a great success. We had over. 3,000 people participate and uh, over 30 speakers. 3,000 um, people? Yeah, yeah, sure. Nice, nice. And I've had good feedback from uh, the attendees and uh, we're probably going to repeat it again this year. Uh, haven't haven't decided on a date yet, but probably May or June. Uh, so, yeah. And this is at IndieNovelistSummit.com. Exactly. Yeah, there's currently a wait list there uh, mm -hmm. that you can sign up to to get notified when we'll have the official dates for the next one. Yeah. Cool. And is it going to be fiction centric again? Yes, it's going to be fiction because I don't know. I feel like the nonfiction space and the book marketing space in general has been um, has already been tackled a lot with virtual summits. So I wanted to bring something different to the table so yeah i'm gonna focus on fiction again cool and are you going to have big guns like tom marcus and helping you and stuff again uh yeah i've worked with tom um on the summit uh yeah last october and i'm i really want to have some very big names this time mm -hmm. uh both helping me uh, with the organization and also as guests, uh, as interviewees, um, because like I said, last summit was a great success and this one is hopefully going to be even better. So, um, mm -hmm. so yeah, keep an eye out for that. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Okay. So indie novelist summit.com. Yes. Exactly. I will definitely keep an eye on that. And, uh, yeah. So, um, before I, uh, I, I have to talk about Machiavelli because you're in Italy and I'm just going to read a little from your bio. It says, I'm 34 and have spent most of my life in academia. I have two degrees, 
one in Italian literature, the other in medieval history, hence Machiavelli, yes. and you worked in the Vatican. Tell us about that. That's right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, so did you find actually, the Illuminati and the Lost Scrolls and all that stuff? Uh, well, I, I've, I'd actually have to kill you if I told you. So, <laughs> <laughs> of course, I'm not. I'm not going to reveal anything. But no, really, it's uh, it, this job came after uh, my degree, and I specialize in medieval manuscripts. So I was employed in the Vatican as a researcher and a translator. Um, focusing on uh, on medieval stuff, so books in general have always been a passion of mine uh, from a very young age, and then I turned it into my academic career and now into my self publishing career basically cool. so i've i've been around books all my life, and I hope I am going to be for a long time to come <laughs> yeah so uh uh, so uh, what can you tell us then about working in there? Did you find any juicy secrets or, well, okay, you can't tell us any secrets, can you? Well, no, not really, actually. I was hoping I would find <laughs> something uh, something really interest interesting, but my job was mainly uh, translating medieval documents from Latin into English or Italian. Mm -hmm. um, so I spent nearly, I don't know, 10 to 12 hours a day uh, in front of a computer and with the manuscript I... by my side and uh, and I had to transcribe and translate so there's I mean it's a it was an interesting experience it was very uh, very stimulating from both an intellectual and uh, artistic point of view because obviously you are in in a place with that's so full of art so full of history um, but then, but then I moved on after that, and um, but I really enjoyed the, my time at the Vatican. Yeah, sure. But 10, 12 hours a day uh, in yeah. front of the computer. I mean, do you have do your eyes? Did your eyes uh, <laughs> burn out? Yes, they suffered a lot. <laughs> <laughs> what about Machiavelli? Probably my eyes have gotten worse. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, I cut you off again. <laughs> what about Machiavelli? Did you t translate any of his stuff? Uh, no, but we had a lot of stuff uh, by Galileo, ah. um, a lot about uh, a lot by Michelangelo. So, yeah, they were, actually, when I was there, there was a big exhibition that was uh, celebrating the archives 500 years, mm -hmm. and basically, we organized this exhibition displaying the best documents and books that are held at the moment. In the awesome. Vatican, so we've had stuff from um, the Queen Marie Antoinette, and uh, like I said, Galileo, Michelangelo. Yeah. So, did you unearth really... anything juicy about Galileo? Um, not really, actually. <laughs> they, they used to be very against Galileo uh, yeah. in the past, but now they kind of revisiting his history a lot, and they. They've got a good opinion about him now. <laughs> yeah, he was, uh, it's interesting, he was a minority of one or maybe two people and he was going against the consensus, right? But he was right, yes. you know? Who was yes. the uh, Vedici? Yes. Who was the, the guy that, that was um, against, Tycho Brahe worldview? But then who was the, it wasn't the Pope. It was, who was he against that he had to... Uh, you know yeah it was really the uh, the inquisition the um but the tribunal a, of, uh, of the church yeah but there was uh, a name of the guy leading the the um inquisition uh cardinal bellarmino probably okay okay uh, yeah the he was the main uh, man at the inquisition yeah and he wanted to kill or uh galileo yeah yeah nice nice yeah. <laughs> tell mm -hmm. the truth and get killed huh? yes <laughs> <laughs> wow wow that and how long did you work in the vatican uh i was there for seven years i believe wow. more or less yeah mm -hmm. interesting so and you also write yourself uh so yeah. you don't have to give up your pen name but uh, what do you write about um i primarily um write non-fiction uh, and the various pen names 
but at the moment I'm in the process of uh, uh, writing a novel under my real name, so <laughs> Brian Burney, ah, okay. and it's going to be um, in the Dan Brown kind of uh, genre and taking a bit of inspiration from my time at the Vatican. So, uh, <laughs> you yeah, have a title yet? That genre. Um, not, I'm playing with a few titles, but I haven't decided yet. It's going to be um, a thriller with a lot of traveling and a lot of action mm -hmm. uh, with ancient relics and uh, mysteries and manuscripts, mm -hmm. <laughs> that sort of thing. That's cool. Well, uh, Dan Brown uh, did a good job at it. So, and you're from yeah. the Vatican, well, not from the Vatican, but you worked there. So you've got the authority, yeah. you know? Yeah, hopefully it's going to be received well. <laughs> so that was, that's uh, my next question. So uh, I started in nonfiction too. As a matter of fact, I'm still mm -hmm. there actually. And I also had some, I, I started in 2014. I did some business courses that were less related to books. So, but that's how I got onto this validation thing, you know, how to write to market. So do mm -hmm. you have a system or method to uh, validate your market or uh, to, you know, to, to make sure that you're writing a book that's worth writing and that's going to sell later? How do you enter a market or validate your book topic? Um, I, it's very different between uh, fiction and nonfiction. I mean, what I've done up to now in the nonfiction area is probably a bit easier than fiction because fortunately for nonfiction, it's very much black or white. So either a market is, I wouldn't say profitable, but either market is popular or it isn't. So if people are looking for it on Amazon and on the other retailers, it's pretty easy to understand whether or not a specific topic has been written about or if it's something that people are hungry for. Uh, and we were, just before our interview, we were talking about some of the tools that fortunately we have at our disposal these days. And one of them is obviously KDP Rocket, which, is, uh, which has changed the game for, for a lot of authors uh, in, in recent years. So with those tools and a bit of deeper analysis, it's, it's easier in, uh, in nonfiction. But with fiction, I'm finding, um, I'm finding that I like to try and uh, accommodate what, what the readers want. So basically writing to market, like you said, but I'm also trying to, uh, I wouldn't reinvent the wheel because it would be stupid because mm -hmm. people are looking for tropes and are looking for the, uh, the you know, each story yeah. has got to have the, the very same uh, more or less uh, elements to, yeah. to please a reader. So um, I'm trying to, to go in a bit in between, you know, right into market, but also giving a bit of a unique twist to, to what I do. Right. So basically in fiction, you just find the big market, right? Like science fiction or cyberpunk or whatever, or. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, uh, there's a, a general big market that you kind of begin with. So I, I would like to, you know, I, I think I'd like to write in the romance genre and thriller genre and the sci-fi genre. And then you actually dig a bit deeper. And fortunately, again, we've got tools at our disposal these days, like, like I said, KDP Rocket, but also um, the, um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the reports from Klytics. Um, uh, yes, yes, yes. Again, again, from uh, your fellow German, Alex Newton. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very easy nowadays, but also tricky. So the competition is growing a lot and the space is, uh, mm -hmm. is getting more crowded. But I think it's still one of the best times in history to, to be an author, definitely. Um, before I forget, do you use KD Spy? Yes, I've used it. Yeah. Um, and I know some people say uh, the two tools like KDP Rocket and KD Spy, mm -hmm. are, are, you know, one excludes the other, but I think they kind of complement each other. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I, I use KD Spy. Uh, um, because KD Spy gives you, it, it gives you more insights uh, when it comes to uh, the category, uh, category level, whether, uh, whereas, uh, sorry, KD, KDP Rocket gives you more insights mm-hmm. when it comes to keywords and, uh, and competition. Mm-hmm. And, and so what do you use KD Spy for? More of the category research. Yeah, the category research I think is a bit better in KD Spy, mm-hmm. um, and the the possibility it gives you to have a, a view of the category all at all at once uh, at a glance. You can see yeah. uh, if a category is uh, has got books that are popular, that are not popular, that have a lot of reviews, the general trends when it comes to the price. So I think it's better in uh, in that sense. Yeah, that's what I tell my friends and fellow authors. Get both; they're not expensive, you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, <clears throat> So, uh, yeah, Kalytics is—he's also, uh, yeah, he has a monthly report showing the actual sales uh, for each genre, right? Yeah, definitely. He's got um, various reports. One is a free report. That you can uh, that you can watch. It's it's a bit like a webinar um, on a monthly basis, uh, and he talks about the general trends in the Amazon uh, marketplace. And then he's got specific reports for specific genres. Uh, so, for example, I I write a thriller, so I would buy because these specific reports are for sale. I would buy a report on thrillers, and he really digs deep. Uh, into the sub subcategories of uh, of the genre, and it tells you if the trend is going upwards or downwards, or how, how in general the the books are behaving. That sounds like a secret weapon. Hmm. Yeah, it is a kind of a secret weapon. That I mean, a lot of authors cringe when they say um, when they see other authors writing to market or mm-hmm. uh, writing to trends, and they say, you know, you're Things like you're selling your soul. You're not writing. <laughs> you're not writing yeah. what, what's in you know what your heart is telling you to. But mm-hmm. it it goes back to what Joanna Penn uh, has always defined as your definition of success. Do you mm-hmm. want to make money with this? Do you want to publish a book because you want to hold it in your hand and show your friends? So yeah. if you want to actually make money at this and you want it to be your career, I think you you would be naive if you thought that <laughs> you could actually write whatever is on your mind and that the whole world is yeah. going to listen. You <laughs> need to you need to write to uh, to trend, you know, to a certain extent. You uh, you said it. Don't reinvent the wheel. You know, I had um, yeah. I had uh, great luck to have one of the very first people on my podcast was Michael Shreve, and he was mm-hmm. really, uh, really dominating the fiction market at the time. And he said, you know, it's not magic. <laughs> it's not magic. Yeah. Writing is not magic. And uh, he, he went on about that, how he had a teacher that, you know, kind of said what you just said. Oh, you're selling your soul to the devil. Said, no, no, no. It's not magic. You just, you got to write to the market. Don't reinvent the wheel, you know. And because yeah. people are expecting certain things and every genre has certain hooks and beats, you know, and uh, uh, yeah, and you got to hit those beats. Uh, are you familiar Definitely. with the story grid template and, you know, sure. the yeah. and all that stuff? Do you use one? Do you have a, I don't know, a template or a, a hero's journey um, or something like that? Yeah, I, I like the, uh, the story grid template actually, but mm-hmm. um what I find it more useful for is for revising rather than, um, you know, rather than it be in the template before you write, because I am a big outliner uh, myself. So I don't write into the dark. I prefer to, um, to outline before I even start the first word. <laughs> so um, I, I find the story grid to be more beneficial when you're revising. Um, I kind of follow a few different tactics from a few books I've learned from. For example, I don't know if you're familiar with Libby Hawker. Hmm. Um, um, and also, 
C.S. Lakin and... Oh, yeah, I just interviewed her. She's got a, a bunch of cool um, free... Uh, yeah, of course, and uh, K.M. Wyland as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I have K uh, Kim Weiland's um, book, uh, Story Arcs. Do you use her exactly. Story Arcs book? Yes, yes. Oh, okay, which one? Um, <laughs> I'm going to test you. <laughs> <laughs> it, I don't kind of do, like I said, I don't do um, everything, you know, as the book says. Right, of course um, not. I kind of combine that with... Uh, Libby Hawker, take off your pants and write. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I try to do a bit of a, bit of a, a mixture to what suits my writing style best. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. What, um, how do you spell Libby Hawker's name? And, and it's take off your pants and write? Yes. Uh, <laughs> cool. Take okay. off your yeah. pants. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, basically, the I don't know if you're familiar with the distinction between plotters oh, yes, and yes, pantsers. Yeah, of course. Plotters, so, and, no, outliners and pantsers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, a play on, uh, on the word pantser, so take off your ah. pants and outline, basically. <laughs> Check and uh, it's, uh, it's been one of the, the most influential books for me when it comes to outlining. And... Uh, mm -hmm. Libby, as a writer, has, has been really, really successful. I think her last um, book was actually reached number one in the Kindle store. And I mean the whole of the Kindle store. Really? Number one uh, in Amazon? Yeah, number one in Amazon. Um, wow, that's better than the New York Times. Yes. And uh, she's very, you know, humble. I, I'm friends with her in, uh, in Facebook and I could see her celebrating and, you know, a little bit of bragging, but not, you know, I would be <laughs> everywhere if I, <laughs> I would post everywhere if I, uh, if I reached number one in Amazon, but she's very, she's a really, a really good author and, uh, and a really good, uh, uh, good teacher in general. Uh, um, does she have a website? Yeah, I think it's uh, LibbyHawker.com. Uh, I'm not sure if she, um, if she still does a lot of um, nonfiction teaching and, you know, how-to writing. Mm -hmm. But her book, Take Off Your Pants, is still probably <laughs> one of the best when, when, it, comes, when it comes to, uh, yeah. to outlining. And oh, that's excellent. I'm looking her up right now. She's in Idaho, and I used to be in Idaho too, so I'm going to have to invite her on my podcast. All oh, right. definitely. Okay. Definitely. Back to you, my friend. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Let's get on those Amazon ads. You know what bothers yes. me the most about Amazon ads is the law of diminishing returns, or um, mm. some people call it um, audience exhaustion. So, you know, what was it, 2016 when they were new? Man, all of my ads were working. I mean, it was just so easy. And so for one book of mine, I got it back up to number one in the category too, and it was a kind of tough category. And, um, mm -hmm. and uh, so it was awesome, awesome, awesome. And then 2017 comes around and, you know, your keywords don't work forever. Uh, the same keywords don't work forever. So I found I had to take like a, a three-month rest and then do it again. And then, you know, everything, it, it never works as good as the last time. So... Um, how do you battle audience exhaustion? So just going back um, a little bit, <laughs> I am uh, the co-founder of a company that specializes in uh, uh, Amazon ads and book ads with yeah. Matt Stone. Right. And the company is called bookads.co. Um, well, anyway, bookads. Yep. And we've been working with authors uh, for three years now. And uh, we were one of the first agencies to help authors with their Amazon ads. But going back to your question, um, <laughs> I have seen quite a few campaigns. And I've worked, I, I tried to, um, to sum up all the campaigns I've done uh, recently. And I've probably uh, 
managed and launched over 10,000 campaigns, I think, wow. <laughs> for, for various authors. And the, the number one problem that every author has when they have a bit of more experience with Amazon ads is, like you said, audience exhaustion and, and also scaling those ads, you know, having a system to, to follow that can take you to, you know, take what, what you do to the next level because ads are the way to go now. I mean, yeah. I know a lot of people will not agree with, uh, with this and it's a bit controversial, but in my opinion, uh, Amazon is going the pay to play, if you see what I mean, route. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, because we've seen that recently when they got rid of the also bought Yep. on some book pages and in general the organic reaches has diminished a lot so mm -hmm. i think it's something that authors at least need to have a, uh, a basic knowledge of these days so when authors uh, approach the ads they uh, they may have you know a, a couple of uh, campaigns that go well or or I, I don't know, even 10 campaigns go well, but the next logical next thing is how do I do more of this and how do I uh, excel in my category and how do I make my books even more seen by, by readers? And one of the biggest things is actual scaling and it has been one of the biggest problems for us as well because yep. authors come to us in looking for solutions and looking for for <laughs> for magic tricks but we don't have magic tricks we only have experience and we know what works best for different genres and also for fiction versus non-fiction um and in general it's uh it's hard for everyone it's hard for us who we do it as as our job but it's hard for the the uh the beginner advertiser as well so how do you scale the amazon ads well, there are various uh, tactics. That it, go, it gets a bit technical, but uh, in general terms, um, you know, if you've got a campaign that is going well and you, the, the first thing you... Um, and I know another so, big author, sorry, um, sorry, Bernie, we got cut off there. Oh, uh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, you know, right, it, right when you started talking, uh, my Wi-Fi <laughs> cut out and back in, but we're still on the call, so at least okay. we're still here. And um, so I said, "How do you scale Amazon ads?" And you started talking, and so could you return? Yeah. Sorry. So it's um, it's. A bit technical, but there are various tactics that we found um, are beneficial. The one is, uh, rather than increasing the uh, uh, daily budget that you have in a single campaign, and for example, having one campaign spend $100, which is very hard in Amazon ads, we rather have 10 campaigns spending $10 each which is much more attainable. So that's one of the tactics. Another tactic is um, what I call the best of campaign or the greatest hits. Um, basically, it's the, the um, uh, how do you say, the, uh, uh, we'll cut this. <laughs> the, the top the, um, um, not the, um, the theory, the theory behind this is that basically you try to spread yourself as thin as possible. So you try to throw as many spaghetti as you can at the wall when it comes to keywords. Mm -hmm. And then in a various, in all the various campaigns, you cherry pick the very best keywords in each campaign and you create a brand new campaign that is made up of only the best keywords from your previous campaigns and generally that has been working quite well for us so um that's why i call it the greatest hits it's because it takes 
the uh, the keywords from the campaigns that that have worked uh, well previously, and it throws all the energy into one uh, one superstar campaign. If you see what I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But apart from that, is uh, it's uh, really down to each single book. Unfortunately, there's not there's no magic magic trick or one size fits all solution. It really depends on uh, on a lot of factors that change from from one book to the other. Interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. those are some very good tips. Thank you very much. No I, problem. The the last one you talk, I, I I called it you know benchmarking uh, your 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 keywords. I, I was kind yeah. of thinking of that already. And um, so there's one question that um, I forgot where I heard it, but I heard mm -hmm. that if you're sending traffic over somewhere else like Facebook or Pinterest, anywhere else to your book in Amazon and it's not converting well, that Amazon's A9 algorithm will see that and then punish your book and put it down in the rankings. So, so never send traffic to you know directly or cold traffic to your book in amazon now yes Have yes we've seen that, that uh, yes we've seen that um, as well and we're actually um, more or less certain that that is the case because amazon is basically behaving a bit like google does because for example if you type something in google <clears throat> and for example 10 people type the same the same query so i don't know how to tie a tie yeah and, uh, that's every, a real book <laughs> yes exactly uh, if you type that in if 10 people type that in google and all of the people skip the first two links and click on the third one then google is going to see that and it's going to take that into account and probably the next time you check google that link is going to be up top, is going to be number one. And we really think that Amazon is more or less behaving the same way. So what, we, what we've experienced is that there is a correlation between the actual traffic coming to a page and the actual conversion rate of mm -hmm. that Amazon page um, when it comes to the algorithm. So a lot of people come into a page, how many of those people are clicking on the page and how many of those people are buying the book so like you said it's it gets penalized a, a book could get penalized if there's a big discrepancy between the number of people that land on that page and the number of people who actually end up buying the book okay yeah you know so that I'm, I don't think I'm gonna send any more traffic or at least not cold <laughs> traffic never cold <laughs> traffic because that's just hit and miss then you know you're experimenting yeah. then uh, with your beloved book. I, I, so I guess that's not the place to experiment. <laughs> I've got this one. I've got this one. I don't know if you can help me with it, but I got, uh, I ran an ad. Uh, I think I just recently turned it off and I've got uh, one click. I spent 17 cents. So CPC cost per click, 17 cents, one order and sales one hundred and forty three dollars and seventy six cents and the ac <laughs> of course point one two percent so expensive book yeah yeah exactly so i sent a help ticket to amazon they've they've sent me two emails back already we're working on your case you know and then, mm -hmm. they, and then they put the link at the bottom of the email did we solve your problem <laughs> no and uh so um have you ever seen anything like that do you know what's going on there oh definitely i've also seen uh, um people who well authors who have had sales with zero clicks <laughs> that, that is yeah what the heck is going on which is kind which is, yeah that's that's the the uh the reporting for you unfortunately because uh, the dashboard has always been very very unreliable and it has been changed in the past month or so but it's still not not you know up to scratch and not at the level that it is in um, facebook for example but yeah. the problem there is that amazon when you click when someone clicks on your ad they might go on and buy for example the audiobook of uh, the audiobook version of your book or they might go on and buy 
the paperback version, then they might go on and buy another book. And sometimes these, you know, um, reflection sales, so these sales yeah. that have, have come after your book page are factored in your dashboard and show up as sales for you. And Amazon has actually really, really said, you know, plainly and openly declared that sometimes that happens. So the sales figures in the dashboard show sales that have come from your ad, but are not directly correlated with your book, if you see what I mean. I, I would so, love to have them though, you know, one, one click yeah. and $143. Okay, I'll take it, you know. <laughs> yeah, of course. But obviously that's not reflected in, in real life, if you see what I mean. So what we recommend is to always cross-check between the Amazon dashboard and your KDP dashboard because that's where the real data is and, uh, and, and the real, you know, the real figures, uh, you can yeah. see them there. So I, have you also noticed if I pause the ad, uh, some things can go down, like even the sales, you can, the sales, some like the la latest sale will disappear. Some of the impressions will go down too. You know, like, oh, they took yeah. the impressions away and all you did was pause the ad. Is it on the count? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes that's another problem is the delay with which uh, the data shows up in the dashboard, because sometimes you have campaigns that are not performing where you think the campaign is not performing well and you pause it or you terminate it, which is never recommended, but some people yeah. terminate and then after two days, you go back and you see that that campaign was actually making sales and they were just slow showing up in the dashboard. Yeah. So you'd want to turn them back on. But sometimes when you do that, the ad stops getting impressions or uh, the ad dies completely. So that, that's another problem. And I've actually never completely understood why the reporting is so bad because we're not talking about a a small company here. I mean, we're talking about Amazon. Yeah. I'm <laughs> wondering if you, yeah. I'm wondering if it's because they're waiting for returns, you know, so they want to really make sure that it's sold before they, I, I have no idea either actually, but. I don't know because I've spoken to people who use the Amazon advertising platform for physical products. Ah, yeah. So I've got a, a friend who sells t-shirts on Amazon and he said that, the reporting for them is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So I don't know why it's it's so bad with books and uh, and the KDP platform because again I can't I can't possibly think that Amazon is not investing mm -hmm. in the book side of business because that's you know that's what they were born for and yeah. that's what you know runs I suppose ninety percent of their business so. Yeah, I suppose uh, we'll have to make um, Amazon vendor accounts or FBA accounts to get mm -hmm. good ads uh, board, dashboard or whatever. Because yeah. there's still yeah. three different versions, isn't there? They've, they changed their name, but there's still three different levels. You can be a vendor or a, 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 a book author. And they're totally... Uh, advantage as well. A what? Yeah. What was that? Uh, advantage? Amazon Advantage, yeah. What was that? Yeah. Uh, that's another um, another type of uh, account you can uh, you can use and run ads from, and it's for people who sell. I believe I've never used it myself, but it's I believe for people who sell uh, in bulk, so people who actually have stock of um, of of books in this case of their own, so they don't use fulfillment by Amazon, but they have stocks of their own. Uh -huh. And they can use this uh, this type of advertising, and it also gives you a couple more ad placements compared mm -hmm. to the regular Amazon ads. I'm not sure because I've never used it myself. So interesting. Have you noticed in some of the emails you get from Amazon that there's a banner ad at the top? For yes, yes. Do you yeah, know how sure. to get in there? Because I, I wrote them a letter with a screenshot and said, I want to place an ad there. And they wouldn't answer. They wouldn't, they, they said, you got to, that's, they, they, they just totally skirted the question. Yeah. Yeah. That's because those ads are really destined and basically exclusive for yep. Amazon imprints I've seen. 
So for example, uh, Amazon has got all of these imprints and they've got basically small publishing houses that behave like traditional publishing houses, but they are Amazon. And one of them is, for example, is called Thomas and Mercer. I've heard of them. Yeah. And yeah. Thomas and Mercer is the thriller side of uh, Amazon publishing. And if you are lucky enough to get a, a, a contract with Thomson Mercer, then you get uh, all these new ad placements. Uh, for example, sometimes you can also see them on, uh, to the bottom right of the cover on the book page. I don't know uh -huh. if you've noticed, sometimes it says um, Thomson Mercer Publishing recommends, and then there's an ad there for, for a book. So it's for traditional publishers and also mainly for uh, Amazon imprints. Interesting because I know, I think it was a Disney book. So I thought it was okay. Just the big guns with yeah. big money can get up. Yeah, there. definitely. Yeah. Traditional you, and Amazon imprints. Yeah. How do you spell Thomason Mercer? Uh, Thomas as in ah, Thomas okay. Cromwell okay. Yeah. and uh, Mercer, M-E-R-C-E-R. Yeah, because they also have, what is it called? Kindle Worlds and then their own awards and stuff. Kindle, mm -hmm. um, what was that other one where you, you know, you, Kindle exclusive where you, where you write your book and first publish yes. through them. And then you, if you win, then they will, you know, take you up in their company. And Thomas and Mercer yes, is one of them. Exactly the, yeah, yeah, exactly. And they, they've got a lot of, um, they test a lot of new platforms and new mm. programs. And some of them, they, you know, some of them have better better luck than other ones. For example, Kindle Singles, I think, was yep. uh, was recently discontinued because people didn't really, you know, it didn't really catch on. And also yeah. Kindle Worlds, right, um, where people could write. For example, if I'm a, a a fan of Harry Potter, I could write a book in Kindle Worlds based in uh, in the harry potter uh, world yeah uh, but that as well was was not that well received so yeah there's a lot of things that you you can do if if you are if you get into amazon's good graces then you <laughs> you've got a lot of opportunity that's for sure yeah so back to the amazon ads um yeah how do you know when to stop your ad do you have any uh key performance indicator or any rule of thumb when to stop an ad? So in general, um, the fundamental rule is never judge the dashboard, never judge an ad by the dashboard, like mm -hmm. we said before. So that is the main rule. But <laughs> apart from that, I also like to um, look at a bigger picture. I mean, I'm not only only looking at sales per se. So I am looking at the ad as a possible vehicle of impressions. So mm -hmm. um, a vehicle of, uh, of showing my book to, uh, to a lot of people. So if, if that ad is getting a lot of impressions but not many sales, I'm not sure I would mm -hmm. pause it or terminate it. Um, and then also you need to look at the bigger picture in the sense that if you have a series, mm -hmm. then that's main, you know, that single individual ad might not be profitable at the moment, but if you factor in the sell through or the read through to your series yeah. following books, then that book, that ad might be beneficial. So there's a few calculations that need to go on, you know, behind the scenes, but in general, I'm quite hesitant with with stopping uh, stopping ads. I mean, if I see that an ad is spending, you know, incredible amounts of money and I'm making zero and then it's getting zero impressions, then yeah, I would probably stop it. But if it's spending money, it means people are clicking on it because otherwise, you know, it's the cost per click uh, platform. Mm -hmm. So if people are clicking on my ads, then there is something there. They are enticed yeah. by something they want to click for some reason. So I would rather go in and tweak the ad and, and try and find out what, what's compelled them to click rather than, than turning it off. Yeah. Okay. Thank you.
for that. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> so um, I'm looking at your book ads.co page. Very impressive. So I do want to ask you a little bit uh, because the screenshots are magnificent. I mean, the one guy's $40,000 of his book directly from AMS ads. And yeah. so, but not everybody can, uh, you don't take anybody. So what are you looking for when somebody wants to come to you, bookads.co and apply? Uh, so which books will make it and which won't? So... In general, uh, there's um, a little backstory here. Uh, when we started the agency, we basically welcomed everyone. So yeah. you could just sign, you know, press a button, make a payment, and you would be in the agency and we would take care of your ads. But what we soon discovered was <laughs> that we could not help everyone <laughs> because uh, no matter how hard we marketed some books, uh, they were just not, you know, they didn't have the fundamentals in place. So not a good cover, not a good description, not enough reviews. So like I said, no matter what we did, we could not help those authors. And we didn't want to waste people's money because obviously it didn't feel right. And obviously at, at the same time, we wanted success with, with the agency and, and we couldn't, we simply couldn't accept everyone. So, we did a lot of testing and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of <laughs> pain and uh, and hours spent in front of the Amazon dashboard, and we came to the conclusion that a book needs to at least be around the thirty thousand ish bestseller ranking uh, or lower, so or better. Um, yeah. For us to to be able to give it a hand in. It's not because we don't want to help everyone because obviously we would like to help everyone, but it's because it's simply, we, we found that it simply doesn't work. I mean, if a book has, is already doing okay, then the Amazon ads can take it to the next level. And I know it's counterintuitive because obviously someone would like to use ads to revive the sales for something that is not selling that, you know, that's the, the principle behind advertising. But yeah. what we found is that Amazon ads is, are more like a tool to take things to the next level rather than mm -hmm. a tool that, you know, can give you a few sales here and there, if you see what I mean. Yeah, to, to revive a dead book. <laughs> yes, to revive a dead book, exactly. <laughs> so uh, how many reviews are you looking for? Um, we generally uh, try to shoot for around 20 mm -hmm. um, to start with, but the more, the better, obviously. And obviously, yeah. they have to be good reviews because if you think about it, the three things that you see in an ad are the cover, the number of reviews, and the short copy that you have on the ad. So, yeah. you know, it's one third of the success of an ad is the reviews. So, yeah. they're really important. Yeah, one third is for the, from the reviews, huh? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, that is a, a deep subject. So um, Very. let's touch a little bit on the, uh, uh, the product placement ads. Uh, I haven't had much luck with those at all. You know, when you target another author or another book, have you guys had any, any luck with that? Uh, do you mean the product display ads the, yeah yeah where you can well i don't know if do they even have them anymore where you can put your book directly no exactly no they were actually uh discontinued so amazon announced uh when they rolled out the new dashboard they announced that they were going to get rid of the product display ads and they were actually stopped on the 5th of february mm -hmm. um 2019 for those who listen in the future and um Basically, what they did is they substituted that type of ad with a new type that is called the lock screen ad. And these ads are basically ads that you can show to people when they unlock their Kindle. So uh, I don't know if you own a Kindle device, but... Of course, of various, course. Yeah, various Kindle devices, including the Fire tablets, when 
when they are in sleep mode, basically, and you wake them up, they often display an ad. So that is actually an AMS ad. So that is the new type of ad that they have rolled out, and it's called the lock screen ad. So they're still testing the, we are still testing the waters with that because, you know, they're they're fairly new platform, Mm -hmm. like I said. Uh, But when you think of it, it's really, really important type of ad because, you know, taking the whole screen of a Kindle with your cover, with your book is, you know, is really important. So in general, they're more expensive than uh, your regular sponsored product ads. Uh, But theoretically, they are also more effective. Mm -hmm. When I first started, um, I think there was something similar called interest-based ads. And that was my first ad. And it was the the most uh, profitable right off the bat. It was just so easy. It was ridiculous in 2016, you know. And the good old days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know. I I think that might have been the one that shot my book straight up to number one in category. And then, yeah. and it never worked again, you know, never had that kind of success again, because you can only choose so many interests, you know, there are only yeah. so many interests or categories in Amazon. So, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. yeah. so what about, um, I tried BookBub ads once and didn't like them at all. Mm-hmm. You have CPM and CPC and yeah. They remind me more of Google ads or AdWords. I don't remember AdSense or AdWords. And uh, so never liked those either. <laughs> so what's your experience with BookBub ads? Um, I mean, they are the new new kids on the block, basically, because yeah. it's the newest platform for, uh, for authors. And it's a bit of an in-between... Um, an in-between platform between uh, Facebook and Amazon in in the sense that it has some features that were good off Facebook uh, uh, on BookBub as well. Some features that are good on Amazon have made it to BookBub as well. But in general, it's, um, it's a platform that we found have more success with fiction books rather than non-fiction because, um, you know, the BookBub mailing list is i don't know how many millions of uh, of people are on that list now but it's very very geared towards uh, fiction readers and it gets very granular when it comes to the categories and subcategories so you know a fiction title is is much more likely to to be effective with bookbub ads than a non-fiction title and also uh, you know in, in the different lifespan of a book, I think BookBub book ads are better when the book is not at full price because, mm-hmm. uh, again, the, ma- the mailing list of uh, the people on the mailing list on BookBub are used to having discounts and quite heavy discounts sometimes. So a full price book is, is not you know, it's not the best idea to use book by bad. So mm-hmm. I would say discounted books and uh, fiction, definitely. Interesting. So 99 cents probably. Yeah. Yeah. And um, have you found any good lists like Buck Books or BookBub or any for kids books? Mm, not really. I haven't worked with a lot of uh, children's authors. We, We've got a few clients, um, you know, in the book, in uh, the um, Amazon ads uh, yeah. agency part, uh, but it's mixed results with uh, with those as well. So I think, I, I'm not too familiar with the genre, but I think it's a tough nut to crack uh, mm-hmm. uh, children's authors when it comes to marketing because mm-hmm. you're really marketing to the uh, the parents, if you right. if you think about it. Yep. Uh, because you know not unless they are you know young adults but you know proper children and toddlers and and yeah. they're not buying books on on kindle so you really need to go <laughs> where the parents hang out and and market your book so uh so yeah it's it's difficult it's a difficult genre yeah. are there any genres that you you guys don't touch with book ads um no no absolutely not i mean we've had uh, everything 
uh, under the sun. <laughs> we've had religious books. We've had, um, I mean, there is kind of a limitation and that limitation is made by Amazon itself because some books, they don't, they actually do not accept um, when it comes to advertising. So for example, erotica or yeah. some, you know, specific covers with, firearms or swear mm -hmm. words they wouldn't allow that so there's nothing we can do i mean we can't appeal to to amazon for this but apart from that if it's within the uh the terms and conditions by amazon it's mm -hmm. uh, it's okay with us cool all right so well i'd like to go off topic just a little bit and um uh get back to you and who is your favorite author um, when it comes to fiction, I would say my favorite author is probably, and I know a lot of people are going to laugh now, but is probably Dan Brown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well. Because, uh, I mean, you know, I've, and this goes back to the, uh, to the very, very old question, what makes a good book, a, a book that sells mm -hmm. or a book that uh, is, you know, actually artistically written and in my opinion a good book is a book i enjoy and a book that you know keeps me turning the pages and dan brown books do that so yeah. i i enjoy him i enjoy the the genre in gen in general and uh, when it comes to non-fiction i'm a very very avid reader of uh, writing how-to books <laughs> yeah so yeah. uh i i've got stacks and stacks of those um, but um, I also like uh, when it comes to nonfiction. I also enjoy Bill Bryson and his um, his travel memoirs. And oh yeah, I know. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah, that. and uh, yeah. yeah, he's an American in London or England, something like that. Yes, and, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I've seen yeah. a lot of his videos actually, and uh, yeah. my wife loves him too. So uh, very popular. So uh, yeah. what is your favorite book of all time? Uh, my favorite book of all time would be The Name of the Rose by oh. Umberto Eco. Yeah, interesting yeah. indeed. Which, which was also made in a very good movie with uh, Sean Connery back in yeah. the 80s or 90s, I think. Yeah. How old is the book? Recommended. It's, um, I think it was 19... 84 or 1985 mm -hmm. so yeah okay cool and there's gonna be actually there's actually gonna be a tv series uh, oh, no. that might be bad but, though well i don't know i mean the the actors looked quite uh promising but i i don't know i think it's launching soon uh on um on netflix so hmm. see Okay. But nothing is going to beat the book or the movie, the first movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, you've been, uh, you've been, um, you've been around a lot. Huh? You, you, you're, you're making partnerships with uh, the big guns in the industry um, uh, <laughs> with your summits. And uh, you, uh, you know, we didn't even talk about authors tech. Tell us about authors tech. Yeah. Authors tech was my, uh, personal project that I started when uh, I basically uh, basically when I started writing and I wanted to have a platform that could you know give me the a chance to share what I learned uh, with through my own publishing journey and mm -hmm. I wanted something to be you know kind of like a point of reference for for authors so in providing in-depth articles and and specific um, guidance on you know very specific things and um, and yeah it's been it's been going well I've neglected it a bit recently because I've I've had so much to do with the book ads agency but it's uh, it's still alive and uh, <laughs> and uh, nice. it's still one of my main projects yeah yeah authorstech.com and do yes. you still offer coaching Yes, I do. Yeah, of course. Okay. Uh, there's a contact uh, uh, form on there. So if you need coaching on uh, Amazon ads or any part of the publishing process, really, just 
reach out. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it looks like a high quality website and uh, authorstech.com. Yeah, we have a lot to talk about, but I respect your time and I see we're already over the one hour mark. So uh, sounds like uh, you're scaling up with the book ads and and so I have the exact same problem too. You know, when I have, a, I have the blog, I have the podcast, I have my books and uh, I have to get back to my books sooner or later too, you know. So <laughs> What do you, what do you wish you would have done sooner? Um, I know everyone, every author is going to say, uh, I wish uh, I started my email list <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. earlier because that is a kind of friend in the, in the author community. But actually I would say, I wish, um, I wish I would have self published earlier in general. So mm -hmm. I wish I would have, you know, taken the leap of faith to self-publish earlier than I could. Because I, you know, I, I'll admit it, the first time I've heard about self-publishing, I thought, you know, that is for people who can't get a real publishing contract. <laughs> Did you uh, ever try traditional? Yeah, I mean, I've been published traditionally, but for academic papers and yeah. academic stuff. Um, not for for fiction or general non-fiction, um, but it, like I said, my my initial idea was, you know, if you're not good enough, then you self-publish. But that yeah. was one big mistake that I that I really regret and that I wish I would have, would have not made sooner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've heard that before. Um, you know, I talk to a lot of people, and I'm in a lot of forums and stuff, and I I know people that yeah. are are published and or by magazines and a lot of um, mm -hmm. i don't know if it's history there's a there's a genre there's a niche 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 out there you, you're in italy you say niche right niche <laughs> yeah yeah and, 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 and i you know i don't know in england in america it's up for grab niche you know riches and mm -hmm. uh, but anyways there's a genre out there world war ii so there's a yeah. lot of experts writing w reports you know, like history, but also, you know, battles and stuff in yeah. these World War II online magazines. And uh, also, yeah, academia and stuff. And you get a lot of that. Oh, my God, I would never self-publish. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, so I've met people. Yeah, it's a bit of the old, uh, the old gatekeepers and the old, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's kind of a snobbish culture around yeah. books that is, is changing, fortunately. Yeah. Well, maybe, I, so the guys that are writing for these magazines, it might be a little bit different, you know, they might have it a little cushier, they might be getting a bigger cut, I, I don't know, you know, mm -hmm. uh, it, it seems like these online magazines and, and stuff like that are maybe better deal than uh, the big five publishing houses, but yeah. 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 That's okay, let them think that, and we'll self-publish, yes, exactly. and we'll get 70% exactly. or more of, of our books, you know. Definitely. <laughs> So let's see. Let's see. Okay. What is your number one tip for beginning authors? Um, my number one tip for beginning authors is, um, well, apart from the usual ones, don't give up, uh, obviously. And the other one is learn and network as much as you can and talk to as many people in the industry as you can and learn from them because fortunately the indie publishing community is probably the most open uh, and transparent industry I've ever seen. So, you know, you've got so many people who are already doing well and that can teach you and, you know, just reach out, ask and learn as much as you can. Yeah. That's a good one. I've heard, I, I hear that a lot. Network sooner. I wish I would have networked yeah. sooner. Yeah. Okay. Here's a trick question for you. What's your number one tip for intermediate or advanced authors? Um, my number one tip at the moment, and I know it sounds obvious said by me, but is uh, learn advertising. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> because sure. it's, um, it's going to be uh, a requirement very, very soon. Mm -hmm and the, the platforms are still not saturated so mm -hmm. i think you can you can make you know a good a good uh, result if you try now cool yeah bookads.co 
Yeah. I, I like that that's because it. all of my websites are also .co, you know, so <laughs> yeah. That's because so, the .com was too expensive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it used to be, you had, I don't know, for some reason people thought .com was better, but, uh, yeah. but that was actually a lot of people thought it was bad because it meant commercial and there was commercial, like a yeah. negative thing to commercial. And so I think .co, or if you can get your own country like .us or .it, I think those are really good too. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, Brian. What else? What do you want to? We're we're gonna end it soon. What do you want to? Uh, where do where do you want people to reach you? Or what should I ask you? What did we not say? Um, no, I would uh, honestly have people uh, if they have a book and they're looking into advertising, bookads.co. And if they are looking for learning materials and uh, if they just want to network, uh, we've got the um, Authors Tech platform. And another thing is if you want to sign up for the uh, mailing list, and sorry, the waiting list for the uh, next summit, IndieNovelistSummit.com. And uh, yeah, I hope to see you soon. <laughs> when, when is the next summit? Uh, probably May or June, having got specific dates. Oh, okay. So coming right up. Yeah. Definitely. Awesome. I look forward to it. Thanks so much for being here and offering your nuggets of wisdom. <laughs> Machiavelli. Okay. I, I, I want to reserve you for another podcast. And, Great. Uh, all right. Thanks again, Brian. Thanks, Eric. And thanks, everyone. Okay. Okay, my friends, if you like that podcast, then remember to go to zbooks.co and go get all the materials to start your authoring career. We have a seven-day challenge every week, so there's no excuse to not finish your book. And remember, please go to iTunes and upload this podcast and Google Play. Okay, I look forward to seeing you at the top. <laughs>